on air. So while customers may be using blockchain in the future, they may not even realize it from the front end experience. But in the back end, blockchain is very likely to become the invisible engine that will be powering all those well-known efficiencies of 24-7, on-demand, real-time settlements. This is On Air by ANZ Institutional. We bring you the latest market-leading analysis and thought leadership from more than 30 global markets, giving you the information you and your business needs to thrive. Welcome to the latest On Air. Today we're chatting all things digital assets and our guests are Nigel Dobson, who is Banking Services Lead at ANZ. Hello, Nigel. Good morning. We also have Cindy He, who is Manager, Industry and Innovation at ANZ. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you for having me. The hype around the institutional use of of digital assets that we saw last year has been replaced by practical application uh, as we see deals and, and pilot programs using the tech stack up. What can you tell us about how the market is developing? Nigel, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Shane. Um, look, I, I think the the sophistication of the market has, has increased. So the maturity, if you like, of the market in general. But more prominently, we're seeing more collaboration between uh, banks, but also between central banks and banks and other um, related parties. So I think that you know, the momentum behind moving from more theoretical and POC type work to more practical, even real live transactions that we've been involved in has um, gone up since last um, last year. So in the, even in that 12-month period, um, we participated in a, uh, a locally-based um, uh, central bank digital currency pilot. We've done a number of transactions on public permissionless networks, and we've also tokenized uh, outside of our traditional uh, monetary scope into um, nature-based assets as well. So those are the sorts of um, things that we've done. But also, the, the, the I mentioned sophistication, the, 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 the sophistication of conversations that we're having, particularly with regulators now, um, has, has gone up almost exponentially. And that's a really good thing because regulation of this space um, remains one of the biggest outstanding areas to solve. Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of movement in two areas. And just to echo what Nigel has said, firstly, there's a lot more collaborative research and testing, learning together between the public and private sectors. This is something that ANZ has also been very proactive in. And secondly, there is a lot of improvements, discussions, uh, open dialogue on the regulatory side. So we're seeing a lot more regulatory agencies worldwide approach private sector to design frameworks together, design standards together, and again, an extremely important way of learning where the gaps are and what plugs we need to fill in. Nigel, you touched on that uh, maturity and and sophistication point before, and uh, in the past we've uh, seen you write about sort of the customer journey around digital assets that some businesses have been on. How have you sort of seen that develop um, over the past year? Well, I think we've moved the, the conversation forward to uh, from one of here's a stable coin that we created and it can be a settlement currency for digital assets to actually creating the digital assets for which a customer might have demand for. And I think that, you know, that we always thought that the, the stable coin, the $8 DC we created back in March of last year was going to be that foundational digital asset to enable commerce in digital assets. But um, now we have customers saying, well, you know, it's great that you can, I can use a, an $8 DC, but what am I going to do with it? And here's what I would like to do with it, which is I'd like to buy carbon or I'd like to buy a reef credit or I'd like to buy some kind of tokenized asset. And by the way, Anza, can you help me tokenize that so you can 
um, help me improve my you know my transaction processing or my my efficiency around um, visibility and transaction outcomes. And and I guess the most significant thing we've achieved, and this occurred um, prominently within the CBDC pilot that occurred here in in Australia, was to profile atomic settlement using uh, assets tokenized by ANZ. One was a a dollar or our dollar DC stablecoin and a an Australian carbon credit unit, um, and then that allowed us to within a very you know uh, contained environment, but nevertheless live, um, transact on a public network using our issued stablecoin to enable a customer to to buy, hold, and then ultimately retire a tokenized carbon credit. So you can just tell by the description of that transaction how far we've come, the number of steps, the number of assets, uh, and, and of course the sophistication of the settlement uh, particularly being atomic settlement, um, has, has moved leaps and bounds from just you know doing a single transaction with an $8 DC. Cindy, as we see more of these businesses embrace this kind of tech, how do you expect usage to develop in this area in the future? Yeah, I think some of the obvious use cases uh, that we've seen appear in the market have been geared towards cross-border payments, uh, leveraging that 24-7, always-on, real-time capability of uh, blockchain networks uh, to make transactions. Another area where blockchain distributed ledger technology uh, and digital assets has been uh, increasingly tested and being used in pilots is in global trade and supply chain management. So at ANZ, we've done a lot of uh, innovative projects that have tested the use of uh, blockchain and tokenization. So actually converting trade assets, real world assets into tokens that you can more efficiently trade over blockchain uh, has been a big area of focus for us. Um, I know that Nigel's team, uh, the digital asset services team, uh, has done uh, many uh uh, a lot of research in this space. Um, and in my team in industry and innovation, we've been looking uh, at how we can scale that even further across the end-to-end supply chain. We cover research uh, into global t- trends and technologies that will disrupt transaction banking. This covers global payments and trade and supply chains. Um, one of the transformative technologies that we've seen will have significant impact in our world is blockchain. And we think that it will become an underlying technology that will power significant efficiencies from the back end. So while customers may be using blockchain in the future, they may not even realize it from the front end experience, but in the back end, blockchain is very likely to become the invisible engine that will be powering all those well-known efficiencies of 24-7, 24-7, uh, on-demand, real-time settlements. No, look, I, I think Sydney makes a great point there. This, this fundamental change in the financial market infrastructure that is born natively 24-7, always-on, global, is incredibly profound. And we've talked about it before, but we're now we're demonstrating why it's so important. Um, so the, the inherent, what do they call, operational alpha that we're being able to realise from a, a blockchain-based, tokenization-based transaction versus a more traditional clearing and settlement transaction is really important. And one of the key themes in this is that the payments leg and the asset leg occur on the same infrastructure. I'll just pause on that because not everyone figures that out immediately because if you go and buy an equity, 
you buy that on the Australian Stock Exchange here in Australia and you pay for it through the separate financial infrastructure of payments in, in Australia. It could be real-time gross settlement or real-time payments domestically. But those are two very separate and distinct infrastructures that don't necessarily interact in the same way, in the same shape, in the same architecture. And so what we're saying now is that we can put a, a payment and an asset transaction on exactly the same infrastructure. They can be both tokenized in, to the same standard and they can uh, clear and settle instantaneously. So just imagine the difference between the two, you know, separate clearing and in, 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 in asset um, uh, transaction infrastructure. Now we've got one combined, single standard, real time, twenty four seven. I mean, it's it's all it's hopefully it's self evident by just what I'm saying. But yeah, we've proven that the difference between that sort of legacy architecture in in terms of our asset markets and pointing towards a new frame of reference underpinned by the blockchain technology, but also um, importantly um, facilitated by tokenization of assets, gives us this massive operational alpha. Uh, and we're getting many more customers who are going, wow, I'd like to do that with my supply chain or my assets or you know, some of the problems I'm looking to solve in my financial supply chain. When you talk to customers like that, um, do you note any sort of common barriers or sort of points of reluctance that might be in the way of their next step into embracing the tech? Well, I think the most common one is just a general, well, certainly a, a significant curiosity for for what we're t- we're telling them, but but coupled with a um, some conservatism around their own preparedness to take on a technology like this, um, and this is really um, just a maturity um, you know journey, uh, and we have we've have ourselves gone on this journey, right? Um, and I think today Cindy and I can tell a story very convincingly about why one should go on that journey, but that doesn't mean that everyone's ready to do that. So I mentioned earlier, you know, the level of sophistication of questions and the, the dialogue that we're having both with customers and regulators at the moment demonstrates how much maturity has grown in the industry in general uh, and how more, much more willing customers are now to take on an experiment or a, a proof of concept or even a pilot that allows them to see the benefits of doing tokenized transactions. Um, so really, it comes down to: Are you ready? Do you have the the capability, the technical wherewithal? What you don't have to do, which is the, the most important thing about this kind of technology, you don't have to build it. So the great thing is, there's not a great deal of upfront investment, but you knew, you do need you know significant problems to solve to make it worthwhile. And I think you know Cindy is definitely working on a range of uh, industry um, opportunities in that regard. Yeah, I think it's really interesting hearing what customers say to us about digital currencies and assets. So just to give an example uh, of a customer-driven curiosity, one of our institutional customers is a multinational uh, gaming entertainment company. And early in 2022, I believe, they approached us, uh, us being their bankers, and asked us about what is going on in cryptocurrencies and the metaverse, because we've been hearing a lot about these two things interacting. What does it even mean? What even is blockchain? How is it going to affect us? Because our end users are now approaching us and asking all those questions. Can we use it? Can we transact with it? their demographic their of customers is heavily interacting in this space. So they came to ANZ and they asked us all those questions and we had to respond quite quickly with what we, uh, you know, our position on it, um, the trends in the industry that we're seeing and whether ANZ can support them if they wanted to explore this space. 
And of course, as we've seen, uh, ANZ has been very proactive in building the necessary capabilities and infrastructure and knowledge to participate in this space, to help our customers explore in a safe and secure way uh, if they want to. Given some of the issues we've seen with trust and safety security in the industry, it's really important for customers to know that when they're entering this space, they can trust the provider who is giving them that access into this world, whether it's through the provision of digital wallets, whether it's through the digital currency that they use, they want to know that they can trust the provider. So I think ANZ being uh, proactive in this space, building the infrastructure that can allow that entry into the digital assets economy is highly valued by our, uh, our customers. And what we can say to that is that, you know, we've gone through operational risk assessments. We've got our risk um, function fully on board with the um, the types of transactions that we're doing. Frankly, there are very few areas that are not actually covered by our current regulatory regime. Um, there may be slightly different flavours of uh, the transaction types that, that call for slightly different perspectives. But regardless, our, our regulatory perimeter that surrounds the, the bank, ANZ and many other banks, is actually quite well suited. Uh, and there only need to be tweaks, in our opinion, to some of the um, the areas around maybe the life cycle of the transaction or the coins themselves. Um, certainly financial crime becomes a very prominent um, area and, and should be uh, of concern to our regulators. But we've worked with a number of service providers. Um, so we don't, we don't build all of this ourselves. I think that's important. So we're working with um, really key service providers like Chainalysis for financial crime, Fireblocks for um, digital custody and, as, and, and asset custody and wallets. And that is a re those are really key partnerships for us. Uh, they're institutional grade. They give us confidence that as a trusted, regulated organisation, we're doing the right thing in terms of our risk management, in terms of our financial crime obligations. And therefore, that gives us confidence, like Sydney said, you know, in terms of engaging with our customers. They want to know that we've done our homework. They want to know that we are safe and trusted and we're complying with all our current obligations. And that what we're really offering them is a, a ready-made uh, digital asset experience, which is going to give them that operational alpha in a safe and secure manner. We sort of touched on the, the regulatory element a little, but I'm keen to talk a little bit more about the, the state of the sector in our home markets, Australia. How do we sort of compare to the rest of the world? Are we a leader? Are we behind a little bit in some areas? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Frankly, the, the global regulatory um, um, community is very interlinked, right, on this particular topic in particular. And so we're seeing a lot of cross-pollination between Europe, the UK, the US, Australia, New Zealand, etc., and Singapore, Hong Kong. Uh, and so all of those kind of OECD countries are really very much on the same page, some moving at different paces. Um, but I think the most important thing in the Australian context is that, you know, through the, the um, Digital Finance Cooperative Research Centre, which is funded by the government, um, there was a pilot undertaken, as I mentioned earlier, around the uh, range of use cases for a central bank digital currency. Now, this is, this is a very important step forward because this is practical applications for CBDC. Tell us why we need it. What are the use cases? And there were, I think, there were 140 applications for use case, um, you know, uh, um, practical use cases for, for that particular pilot. That was narrowed down significantly. Um, but, you know, we were a, partic a significant participant in this, including um, being the distributor of CBDC to non 
uh, non-ADIs or you know, deposit-taking institutions in Australia. Um, and that gave us a, an additional perspective of what else was being uh, thought about in, in, the, in the broader economy for the use of digital assets and CBDC in general. Um, so I think that's a really good proof point that you know, not only, only are we talking about possible and conceptual regulation and concepts and pilots, but rather actually doing real live transactions in a, albeit a, a controlled environment, but a whole range of really interesting industry use cases. Yes, so to echo Nigel, I think it's so great to see regulators getting their hands dirty and actually being part of that learning testing creation process. So many organizations around the world have said that regulators driving pilots, driving proof of concepts with emerging technologies, not just blockchain, but artificial intelligence, which has gained a lot of uh, hype. This is very important because the technologies are developing so quickly that you have to be part of that uh, testing process to really understand what it means, how it works, and what the value is for the economy. So when the RBA and the DFCRC uh, organized this CBDC pilot, it was just a great opportunity for ANZ to work with them to understand the different use cases that could apply, what we think could be of value. Let's actually test that together and hear what the feedback is from our customers. And Nigel, what are the areas around digital assets that you think present the biggest opportunity for banks like ANZ? Well, right now, and, and this is linked to our broader sustainability strategy, um, Shane, is, is this idea that we can... Um, improve the financial market infrastructure for nature-based assets. And many would have realized globally, frankly, that um, um, the emerging asset class of nature-based assets, including carbon credits, biodiversity, in Australia, reef credits are becoming really important. Um, but those types of assets are gaining uh, traction, uh, but the financial market infrastructure that supports them today is effectively uh, a registry and a telephone. Um, and we really have a, an opportunity to, and we've done these transactions, right? And that's what's so exciting is that we can transform that customer experience, give our customers visibility in terms of the provenance of the projects that generate these um, these credits, and then we can tokenize that and put all those credentials on a token, then enable a customer to buy and hold that token for a variety of reasons, investment, offsetting, um, with our $8 DC. And again, just achieving that beautiful streamlined asset transaction lifecycle that can take just seconds um, with digital tokens, digital currency on a, uh, on a public or even permissioned blockchain but just transforming the customer experience of um, dealing with this emerging asset class. So we really think that's uh, a huge space for us to explore going forward. Yeah, Nigel has put it really well. I think I would add just a number uh, for everyone. So according to the Boston Consulting Group, $16 trillion in value can be unlocked through tokenization of global illiquid assets. So real world assets that previously couldn't be traded if you tokenize them, represent them on blockchain so that it can be easily exchanged on a global basis. You can unlock so much value, new lines of collateral, new lines of revenue, new business models. And so it's really interesting to see what may come up in the next couple of years in terms of new use cases, new applications, different industries and sectors that could really leverage this. Um, from my end, I know that in agriculture, so for farmers, um, 
that sort of supply chain cycle of moving goods from the farm to the shelf by representing that on blockchain. Not only can you track all the goods in real time, it's transparent for everyone on the network to see. The information that's recorded on blockchain is immutable, so you can't alter it. It's very secure. But on top of that, you can also open up new lines of collateral because there's goods being represented as tokens now. You can perhaps trade them. You can do many more things with them in the financial world than what we can do today. So I think that will be one of the trends that I'm really looking forward to seeing play out. That was On Air by ANZ Institutional. Be sure to like, follow or subscribe to hear more. This podcast is intended as thought leadership material. It is not published with the intention of providing any direct or indirect recommendations or to influence any person to make a decision in relation to any financial product or class of financial products. It is general in nature and does not take account of the circumstances of any individual or class of individuals. For further information, please refer to the full disclaimer at institutional.anz.com.